Welcome to the Software People Stories. I'm Shiv. I'm Chitra. And I'm Gaiti. We bring you interesting untold stories of people associated with the creation or consumption of software-based solutions. You'll hear stories of what worked and sometimes what didn't. You'll also hear very personal experiences and insights that would trigger your thoughts and inspire you to do even greater things. This episode of the Software People Stories was recorded in December 2019. Just keep going. What do you mean by that? We need everyone to pitch in. For what? How do I show up to be considered for a position of product manager? What do I do to get customers to share their real problems with me? In this episode of the Software People Stories, Pallavi Srinivasa, Director, Product Management at Cisco, shares a tapestry of her experiences, nuggets, and her own take on the belief of boundless potential to dilemmas faced by product managers. She also talks about honesty and transparency while connecting with customers and what true customer connect means, even for a big brand company like Cisco. Pallavi also shares what it takes to be a product manager and her own journey that started as a human factors engineering person. Listen on. Good morning, Pallavi. It's wonderful to have you on the Software People Stories. I've really been looking forward to our conversation for a very long time, and I'm so happy it's happening at this time of the year. And as we head towards the new year, I'm sure our listeners would love to hear what you have to say. Thank you, Chitra. I'm I'm also really looking forward to this. Uh, very excited to be here. I was actually going through your LinkedIn profile and mm-hmm. the first question that popped in my mind when I read some of what you had put there was, you know, you've mentioned your fascination about the internet being connected mm-hmm. with just a few simple lines of code that according to you makes a lot of magic happen. So what does that mean to you? Why did you call it as happening that way? I think it's, it's because, you know, when, we were growing up, we used to hear, you know, things about people outside of India or even things about within India, different states. And the media was pretty much, um, you know, the print media. I don't know about you, but I saw the, uh, or got to work on computer uh, later in my engineering years. And even then it was not connected. For me, it's always, even today, I, I just feel that there are these bits and bytes that we use and these electrical signals go across the world and we translate so many things and magically, you know, we help solve many of the problems. You know, it's, it's just about getting people together and this acts as a wonderful platform, right? So that's still, I'm just uh, in amazement when I, um, when I think about this or when I look at this. So I don't go really deep, even though sometimes my thoughts just take me there. Um, but it's just always amazing to me. And I, and I sort of connect this to the spiritual world, right? Where we talk a lot about energy and uh, we are all connected and things like that. So this this is very close to that energy. 
that I can think about. I don't know if I sort of took it to a very, very different level. I'm sorry. Absolutely, Dot. In fact, uh, the next thought that's coming to my mind is we talk about the interconnectedness of things. We're trying to get Mm -hmm. our children to think about what they're learning in terms of interconnectedness as against looking at subjects in isolation. In Mm -hmm. almost in a sense, this also frequently happens in customer conversations when Mm -hmm. We know very well that customers look at a product end-to-end or rather experience it end-to-end. Whereas uh, in a lot of engineering companies, you know, the building of a product happens somewhat in silos. So, you know, looking at the interconnectedness in product development itself, uh, that's the thought that's coming to my mind based on what you said. So what are some of your thoughts on that? I, I think that I was just having that conversation over the weekend. I'm like, we still you know look at things in silos right it could be as easy as you know everybody is a pro on uh, talking about nutrition or talking about lifestyle and uh, and basically you know taking the example of reducing weight right everybody has a thought process on that but everybody has a siloed thought process same thing on the on the technology side if you take a look at some of the the problem solving piece yes technology can help a lot but at the same time we sort of neglect the aspect of the human emotions that play a role in all of these in arriving at a solution it could be as easy as bringing a product uh, that we develop in our uh, companies to as probably uh, far-fetching or uh, far-reaching solutions like, you know, solving your world hunger. Um, In all of these, we sort of neglect, we say technology is an excellent platform, but we sort of minimize the human emotion or human effect on this. Now, all of these AIs, uh, artificial intelligence or machine reasoning, machine learning, whatever you want to call it, when you, I don't think any of us think through um, to the extent where this will take us, right? Uh, we don't know what kind of effect this can have if I just continue to think through only on the on the technology aspect and ignore how this can actually be uh, used by uh, people with different thought processes. And how can I sort of put checks and balances in place? That will take a little bit longer. But us technology folks do not have that patience. We want things done much faster. I think that's where we are sort of, we go back and forth on what should we bring to the market and what we should not. I think the famous example is that atomic bomb uh, or the nuclear bomb creation right Uh, after that the university said we need to have a psychology program uh, or psychology as part of this program Uh, that's a famous example so holistic growth is very much needed but it's slow and um, a lot of people don't like that uh, that aspect of it i can resonate with what you're saying in fact i often wonder you know the pace at which technology is churned out versus true creativity in solving problems. It almost appears to be two sides of a balance. 
agree with you where you know i see even people struggling to keep that balance i mean on the one hand i don't think you can really put a time limit or you can bound creativity by mm-hmm. time and at the same right. time there's a constant demand for having something new unique and perhaps the next big thing out there isn't it absolutely i think that's where we are sort of hurting ourselves right yeah in fact yeah. you said you know you you really like it when customers talk about their most pressing problems so my question mm-hmm. to you is how do you actually get to the point where customers are really talking about what's hurting them or what's bothering them uh, so that you have something to take away and build into your product and make an offering out there that will help them how do you get them to share what's really bothering them so when when we go and talk to them most of the times what i've seen uh, us do is hey here is a new uh, new shiny object that we've created or you know we've sold this solution we think this makes sense to you there are some customers who are open about what they want uh, specifically or what problems they are facing the, those in those situations it's very easy in uh, other situations where you know take some uh, technologists are not so open about what they want and you can figure out in the meeting that they're just nodding and not really completely engaged uh, with what we are saying so then we start probing into how do you think you can leverage this technology and you know we know this is your business what is the most uh, used application or what what is the most uh, you know important use case for you on a regular basis what does your um, superiors talk to you about what, what is it that uh, that they always hound you on what is the most important thing for your board you know that helps them meet the goals that they have uh, put together now granted for this you have to have the right stakeholder in the meeting we ensure that that happens before we go there but if people are not forthcoming then we start digging down a little bit deeper into how this product gets placed in the overall thinking that they have so once you start you know probing Uh, more and more uh, people not naturally come out and tell you uh, the problems that they have and if you're open and transparent with them about the solution that we brought to them how much can it solve and what else can be done and what we cannot solve i think if you're open and transparent about that that helps them uh, work with us a lot more better then you know if i just go tell them this is what it is and you know you just don't know how to run things so i mean for me it's always been have a connect uh, with that person ask them more on where do you think this can fit instead of me telling them i think this is what you should do that has helped them come forward and uh, share their most pressing problem nice pallavi in fact you being a product director at a large company for so many years there are a lot of product managers that i've met in the recent past who have cited their number one issue as being able to connect with customers 
uh, one more curiosity question, you know, uh, mm -hmm. company like Cisco is predominantly in the B2B space. A lot of infrastructure right. pieces in terms of the switches and network solutions that you put together. Are there any tips that you can share, let's say, with uh, up and coming product managers in terms of developing that customer connect and ultimately making those customers stick with you and your company for a very long time? See, I've been with Cisco for several years. And as you said, uh, Cisco has been around for a long time. One of the main tenets that we have is customer comes first, no matter what. And what that means is people may think that, oh, you're a big brand. You can just go, you know, stand in front of them and you can tell them. I want to sort of dispel that myth. When we, we are always churning out new solutions, right? And it takes uh, a while being a hardware, a combination of hardware and software company. It takes us a little bit longer in certain areas of our business to come out with a new product. And sometimes we are only displacing ourselves in certain customers' uh, areas. So when we go out to them, they are, most of the times they're less interested in what we are talking about, the new shiny object. They're more in, interested in talking about their existing problem. And the existing problem is, can be very, very small. But what I've noticed and what I've learned from the, uh, the SVPs that we have in the company, when they go talk to these people, they don't minimize these problems. What they say is, yes, you have these problems. Let me find out the right person to solve this. It's regardless of which customer we are talking to. If the problem is brought to us, I've seen people just get on top of that and solve it. If we cannot solve it or if we don't want to solve it for business reasons, we are very transparent on that. And we work very closely with sales to educate customers on why that is not possible. Um, and, and we work out different solutions with them and saying no in, in a right way uh, to the customer. But the ultimate goal is to either solve a problem or if we are not able to, what is the, the right solution or what we are able to offer to them. So this is again, even though I'm showing them the new thing, they want to uh, solve the old problem, but we are on top of it. So, and we do this for the large install base that we have. So sometimes I feel that we are always talking to customers about these smaller problems, but that really, really, you know, they are very, very appreciative of that. And they feel that we have their back no matter what. And it's across the company, right? It's not just product management, it's sales, it's senior leadership, it's engineering. Every one of us jump on it if, if we think that needs to be solved. The second piece is we've always talked about what our vision is. Today, I might go and talk to them that, look, we are going to solve your business problems by you know, addressing the operations that, that you have, making, you know, providing the right automation platform, so on and so forth. But we also tell them that, yes, I have the solution, but here are the phases that I am working on to reach my North Star. So we always share that vision to them because a customer, when they're looking at a new solution, they want to see the entire picture as to where you're going. And that in my, uh, whatever, 15 plus years of the product management experience that I've always felt that customers are far more comfortable 
in combination with having their back in whatever problems that they have uh, with the Cisco devices. I think those are the two things that we need to uh, always keep in mind. Very nice, Pallavi. I'm sure some of our listeners who are product managers will be able to take away something from this. Thank you so much. We usually ask our guests to introduce themselves uh, to help you sort of warm up to the conversation at the podcast. <laughs> so this in some sense is being flipped a little bit. And now I want to ask you, where did your journey towards product management actually begin? And especially you say that, you know, you've mentioned that you're not a code geek. So how did you land up being in the midst of so much hardware and software? It's an interesting journey. I am a person with a lot of interest. I think most human beings are like that. Somewhere along the way, we just drop some of those interests uh, given practical realities. I have a, you know, a different journey coming into where I am right now. I started off on the uh, user experience front. It used to be called human factors engineering. Um, that was my master's in. I, I sort of be, was very fascinated with the fact that, you know, you have to keep the design very uh, relevant to what the user is looking for or what the operators is, are, are looking for. And this applies to every uh, vertical, every industry. And that's how I started my journey in Cisco as a user experience engineer. And when I started this journey, I had to even whether it's my friends, my acquaintance, or even folks at work, I had to explain what user experience means, which is a sad thing, but that's where I started. And then um, my uh, aspiration, and it still is there today, is to be able to run a business of my own. So for that, I felt that... um, I need to be able to, if I'm looking at Cisco, and Cisco is a very, you know, it's an awesome company, a relevant company, I need to get to the core aspect of Cisco. So I went through uh, certifications and uh, jumped in as what Cisco calls a technical marketing engineer. Uh, What that means basically is um, the person is complete subject matter expert of uh, a certain product and uh, interfaces with sales with customers uh, because i wanted i wanted to retain that customer angle and i'd like to believe that i'm good with people and also uh, i always want to be you know on board with what the customer is thinking of and how the technology is changing and all that aspect so i became that and then um, again the that the business angle was still missing. And then I, um, you know, from there on, I worked towards the uh, angle of product management, which gives me a healthy combination of what the company is doing along with how uh, the business aspect comes into picture. What should we take forward? What should we leave behind uh, from a product and the solution standpoint to move the company forward? Um, and then I also, uh, every two to three years, I've had this uh, role change. You know, I, I just feel that, yes, I think I've learned and contributed. Let me look at what else uh, should I be learning in order to get to where I want to go. I've also dabbled my uh, fingers in sales, uh, Cisco sales, and especially in India. And that gave me an excellent learning opportunity. 
during that one year that I was uh, part of sales in terms of at the ground level, how customers think, because they don't open up to um, the business unit folks as an engineering or product management folks at Go as much as they open up to a salesperson because that's the person that has built the relationship over uh, you know several years. So I got to know uh, in terms of how the customer thinks and uh, what if they say a sentence, what is the context and where are they coming from? So that was a huge learning curve. So that's that's the journey that I've been on. So that's how I got into where I am right now, Chitra. So that's a huge, long story. I keep looking at different aspects and where I can learn and contribute. This is so fascinating, Pallavi. In fact, in my mind, I'm just thinking this is perhaps the start of several more conversations to come. I have so many questions coming up. One thing that you just said, you know, part of your experience as a product manager is also to understand what to take forward and what to leave behind. How do you mm-hmm. make this decision? I think off late, <laughs> we've been making some of those decisions. For, a, you know, for products or even for solutions, it's, um, it's a very difficult decision to make. Um, as you can tell from my tone itself, whenever I you know, think about this, it's, it's a bit of an uncomfortable situation. If, if you look at the business and you look at numbers on a regular basis, you need to look at it from, is it making a strategic contribution? Or, you know, we, did we come up with this product assuming a certain market requirement at that point in time? So if, I'm, uh, if I've introduced, let's say, um, you know, a solution, be it management or be it any uh, small app, as part of a la- larger uh, vision that we had, what are customers buying that? Is that particular thing enabling customers to buy my core infrastructure piece or buy the product that actually helps propel both the customers and the company? then we keep that regardless of the uh, the amount that i'm making regardless of the business that i'm making of course we should make sure that we are not bleeding money on the bottom line but we should look at it from the angle of can i am i at least breaking even in that aspect and enabling everything else the other aspect is let's say we had a a market requirement due to a competition or due to a certain need and we built that product for whatever reason it took us a year or a year and a half to build that and the market need has disappeared at that point in time we look around the globe and say is that the case with every region across the globe or is is it only uh, you know specific to one region if the answer is it's specific to only one region i can still go ahead and sell elsewhere we continue if it's the truth across the globe, then we make that hard decision of, you know, developed it because of X, Y, Z. We understand we've invested so much, but we won't be able to sell it. Or even if we sell it, it'll be at a negative, you know, negative bottom line. It doesn't make sense as a business to go forward. So there are various factors that come into play um, when you make those decisions, but it's a very tough one. And we gather as much data as possible to make that decision. At the end of it, it's again, uh, goes back to the 
the theory we discussed earlier in the call, where it's a combination of uh, not only technology, it's also about other soft aspects of why this was developed and where was it developed and any other angle that, that we have to look at. Thank you, Pallavi. In fact, can completely understand just given the sheer number of parameters that you mentioned and the combination of how you examine your past assumptions and what the reality is today must truly make it you know, something so difficult to do. And yet, one of the reasons I asked this question was having heard product managers actually struggled with decisions like this to just keep offerings and solutions fresh and relevant to customers, catching up with competition and technology, like you said, different regions having different requirements and so on. Also, you know, I don't know if you're aware of this book by Professor Vijay Govindrajan, where he says mm-hmm. that in order to keep a product or a solution relevant, you need to selectively forget the past. So I think those were some of the pieces of information or context that I had in mind behind asking you this question. I'm sure that people who are listening to this will will understand the complexity behind taking such decisions. So thank you for sharing it. Yeah, and just to add one more point, and it's not just based on data. When you're making this decision, there's a lot of emotion involved in this as well. There may be a, a leader who has batted for this, right? I might have gone against odds to make this happen. And, and you're coming with the data saying, this doesn't make sense anymore. That, that's where I think some of the product managers feel that, should I go against this or should I just, you know, uh, have it as a status quo and let something, you know, somebody somewhere, something take care of it later on. Uh, so that's where your character personality, uh, all of that uh, has to come in and probably an opportunity for development, right, on that front, whether it's, you know, bringing that courage to ensure that this happens or persuading somebody, negotiating with others. I think that's where more than the data, I think people sort of take a backseat because a lot of these other things come into picture and they say, I don't know if it's worth it or not. So, I just wanted to add that in there because those are the uh, those are the different elements that come into picture. Very relevant thought, Pallavi. Thanks so much. There are many people that aspire to become product managers. You've shared part of your journey. What are a few things that you would share with, let's say, people who are just beginning to look at product management as a career option? Okay, it's been a while. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, we have... Uh, a lot of people that um, you know that we encourage um, and have them join us as product managers. I think the um, the first and foremost aspect that I always look for in a person is the the attitude and the amount of hunger that they bring to the table. Different hiring managers have different thought processes, but that's the first and foremost thing that I always look for because if you have that optimism, the positive attitude, and the hunger to learn and grow, I think everything else can be taught. The domain knowledge, working with customers and knowing the business, uh, developing that business acumen, all of that can be, you know, can be taught. So this is what I'm saying is somebody who's, let's say, fresh out of college, wanting to join um, 
product management. I think that's the most important thing. And even uh, if I'm looking for somebody in the experienced, let's say, few years of experience, even there, this is the first and foremost thing that comes into picture. But in addition to that, I would also look for how have they dealt with certain situations. Again, I look more and more for personalities and depending on the the type of role, um, relevant uh, experience that they bring for, let's say, if I'm looking for a product manager that wants, that is completely on the software side, or uh, if I'm looking for a product manager that we need to churn some numbers and uh, you know go to market with the low end of the products in a certain region so all of those we look for relevance in that but the first and foremost is in terms of how do i show up and uh, how much hunger do i have to learn and the uh, the aptitude towards um, willingness to apply whatever i'm learning a technology that i take and how does it apply to a certain business or how does it solve a certain problem? Um, if that angle is missing, that angle is very hard to teach. If that is there, then I think the others are pretty easy to teach and uh, you know get going. Nice, Pallavi. Thank you so much. I have one question for you, which is which is something else you've mentioned. Seems like your your LinkedIn profile itself has turned out to be a hotbed of questions for this conversation. You talk about the boundless potential of the future. It sort of almost emanates a certain excitement from you if one were to read it. What is this boundless potential and why are you so gung-ho about it? I think the we, we're still scratching the surface, in my opinion. If you're talking about you know technology being used, right now we are I feel that we're only connecting people, right? We've still not, if you think about, if I just think about India, I think there are many countries like this. We've still not gone to areas where people are still, you know, kids are still walking up the mountains to get education and, you know, going miles to get water, right? Basic needs. There is a potential or there's a promise that we will be able to, people who have learned a few things in life, are able to share that with others. But we have st- we're still scratching the surface. Right now, we're only connecting people um, just so we can start now solving the problem. Yes, there are efforts being made, uh, but it's not completely done. Um, I don't know when it will be done, obviously. But that's the... I'm looking at a world where you can say that hey, with, with all of these technologies, we can just say, I think I saw it in one of the Hollywood movies are, or movies in general are the best ones to show the future, right? Where they say, oh, we, with one scan, all your cancer cells are gone. And so on and so forth, right? It's like with one touch, I'm solving your basic needs. Now you go think about all these other things that you can um, accomplish as an individual. So I think if we can solve those basic needs and with 7 billion plus people, we'll be, we would have achieved a lot. There is a promise of that. We have not gone there yet. That's the boundless potential, I guess, I'm thinking of. 
So miles to go, miles to go, miles to go before anybody yes. thinks of even going to sleep. Nice thoughts. Yes. Uh, this conversation, I'm sure, will lead to several more conversations with you. Are there any last messages that you would like to leave our listeners with? Just keep going. There are uh, there are so many things that we can do in this world. I just we need everybody to come in and uh, pitch in for that. So. I would say just keep going, just keep doing what you're doing and uh, keep thinking of what's the next thing that you can help with, uh, what's the next growth that we can all uh, contribute to and just keep going. What's that Nike ad, man? Does it say just do it by any chance? I have Just do it, yes. Just do it. Okay. Pallavi, thank you very much. It's been wonderful talking to you. I'm looking forward to many more conversations with you thank you very much thank you chitra thank you for making a making me a part of this it was really really fun talking to you and sort of you know going into that world that i the world of the big picture that i don't get to go with many people that i talk on a daily basis so thank you for that opportunity like this episode please subscribe on your favorite podcast client and spread the word in your network if you'd like to share your story contact us at podcast at pm hyphen powerconsulting.com